Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer Distributors. For more information, visit unionbeerdist.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Assassins Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. Today is Tuesday, September 19th, 2017. We've got some great guests joining us tonight, including Lars Dahrhaus. Hey, guys. Welcome back, back, man. Thank you. You know, you've come a long way. We've known you in many hats, always importing beer. And now you're with what? Reinheit's Boten. The Reinheit's Boten, part of the Liquid Projects lineup of beers. Yeah. And we're going to be tasting some great traditional German styles tonight. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about my own private Oktoberfest, NYC. A bunch of Oktoberfest events are planned, and uh, including yours. When's yours, Lars? <coughs> so we are part of uh, an Oktoberfest that is planned by the Brahaus Schmitz people in Philadelphia, taking place in Greenpoint in uh, October from October 20th, 21st, and 22nd five sessions um, up to a thousand people per session and um, really looking forward to it. exclusively pouring the Reinhardsboten beers it's always great having you on Lars you've been a great industry guy and you've been on how many shows at least 10 uh, probably at least 10 yes More. <laughs> and then the, 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 and talking about New York City new breweries um, we've got Circa Brewing here and our, our good buddy Danny Brookert who was brewing at Six Point That's is right, the brewer baby. there how are you Danny <clears throat> first uh, I want to give you a, a Oktoberfest out toast and cheers prost and uh, it's great to have you back on we haven't seen you in a while yeah yeah it's good to be back man there's uh, there's a lot to talk about but um, no we uh, it's good to be here thanks yeah. for having me and your brother's here too so you guys are actually a, a team of chef and brewer at Circa Brewing yeah cheers Luke, <laughs> have, you Luke. Had, have you ever had twins on the show before uh, we've never had the same twins on. We've had twins from Denmark on different shows, and they there we go, man. They have the same accent. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> well, cheers, guys. So, and a big shout out. Our uh, Un- uh, beer sessions radio is brought to you by Union Beer Distributors, supplier of world class ales and lagers, and we do posts on Instagram at beer underscore sessions. So, you know, this has been a cool fall. A lot of Oktoberfest events are going on. I think on Saturday. Uh, every Saturday this month, Paul Anner Brauhaus on Bowery's doing like a Saturday cask tap. And I, I think I'm the mayor of the Bowery on Saturday, September 23rd, 5 p.m. I'll be there. Uh, we'll be tapping a, a fresh cask. And I know you guys, Lars, have the, in October, you have uh, your Oktoberfest. Right. In Greenpoint. Right. And uh, Circa, are you guys doing anything Oktoberfest? Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, <clears throat> we started our Oktoberfest and, um, you know, it, basically what we're doing is we, we have our Oktoberfest lager on and we're running a, uh, a special all the way through to, uh, boy, I believe it's, what is it, October 3rd or something when it ends? Right. So, you know, we're going to run that special. We have a, a pretzel and a, and a bratwurst that we offer, but we got our Oktoberfest lager. When it started, we had this great great polka band a bunch of old guys that were were playing uh uh you know traditional german music and it was uh, it was fun but now we're just running the special and, and trying to sell some good beer that's great we're definitely going to talk about circuit brewing and downtown brooklyn and what what you guys are doing there but you know one thing for me oktoberfest means it's an appreciation for all the great styles of german beers that i love yeah. and lars you're, you're one guy that's importing more of those styles than anyone I know. Right. Let's talk what, what's in the glass. I mean, this <laughs> is a perfect beer for today. It's cool, yeah. rainy out, malty. So, w- w- what we're drinking today right now is the Dieselhäuser Landbier. And uh, Dieselhäuser Brewery is located in the northeast of Baden-Württemberg, close to the Bavarian border, close to Würzburg. And uh, this beer, it's an amber-colored beer. It's the closest that we would have to a Märzen-style lager. Um, just matured over four weeks brings out all the maltiness, some fruitiness. It's really a, a benchmark on where a beer like that should be. And um, I brought a couple other beers. I brought the Pilsner beer, which is 
fantastic. Uh, I brought a, um, uh, a dry hopped Helles Lager from the a brewery called Himburgs, Himburgs Brautkunstkeller, which is like a craft brewery, gypsy brewer in Germany, probably one of the most famous brewmasters right now in Germany, Alexander Himburg, who makes uh, this, this dry hop lager with seven different hop varieties. I brought one of his IPAs. I brought a, um, a solid Zwickel, which is an unfiltered uh, Helles Lager as well. That's probably the closest to a Oktoberfest beer that we see now at the Oktoberfest, which is a, uh, um, a pale uh, liquid versus a Märzen that used to be the, the liquid of an Oktoberfest beer. Hmm. Uh, if you go to Oktoberfest today, you would actually just see that clear liquid. You wouldn't even find a Hefeweizen. I had no idea that they, they did that. I thought it was strictly yeah. Oktoberfest. But Danny, Marzen. did you make a, no. at Circa Brewing, did you make an Oktoberfest? I did, yeah. And I actually, I brought some with me today. So, you know, we can all try it. Uh, do you want me to crack it open now? Yeah, we'll crack it. We'll, we'll, we'll mix it in. And, and, yeah. and uh, Lars, let me have more of the Lan beer. Yeah, now, yeah. I'm, I'm on Lars's page. So you're saying that actually that things evolve, that, that even though it's Oktoberfest, you don't necessarily have to stick to the same style of beer. Right. In Germany, things evolved at the Oktoberfest because at some point uh, during one specific Oktoberfest, they ran out of the Märzen Amber Oktoberfest beer. And the breweries ran back to the breweries and said, what else do we have in the tank? And it was a you know, roughly 5.5% pale lager that they had available, and they started pouring that. And from that day on, they, they said, oh, you know what? That worked better than the Mets, and uh, <laughs> let's, let's stick to that. So uh, when you see the big tapping of the Oktoberfest, uh, it's, it's all that pale beer. It's, it's stronger. It's 55 versus the Hellas that would be 4.9 or 5.0. So, um, it, but the the Meritzen is also an old style, isn't it? Right, this, it is. This Oktoberfest style. Yeah. And Danny, what you just poured, this is a is a lot of flavor in this in this beer. Tell us wh- how you made it, what, you know, ingredients yeah, so, and <clears throat> you know the, the 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 recipe, the grain bill is um well, it's a lot a lot of pilsner malt. It's uh let's see, it's a lot of Munich malt, close to 50% and um there's some melanoidin malt and some dark Munich malt mixed in there. Uh, hop-wise, uh, it's I didn't go crazy. It's a you know traditional German noble hops. There are some uh, also some Czech hops in there um, and some Haller Tower. So Saws and Haller Tower hops are the uh, only hops. But it you know it it doesn't have really a, a great hop profile. It has a very nice bitterness, which I really wanted uh, maltiness out of this beer, which is what I love about German beers is the the quality of the maltiness, and um, that's really. What's the, what's the what nose? It's almost like a bready. Because like the lawn beer from 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 you, Lars was. Yeah. It was there was no real hot pronounced hot flavor. No, exactly. Yeah, um, but you know, uh, brewing it. Uh, you know, I don't know if I'm going to say anything crazy. It was just a, it was a, it was a step mash process, and um, you know, you 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 the my process is ferment it very cold uh, on the lower end of the temperature, and, and just give it the time it needs. And obviously, for for German style beers, yeast health is probably the most important thing you can focus on as a brewer. You want healthy yeast and an abundance of it to give you that really clean flavor profile. You know, obviously temperature control is very, very important, but um, if the yeast are healthy and they're in abundance, you're going to end up with a, a great beer, and you just give it lots of time. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, the the Distelau is a brewery is one of um, not too many breweries in, in Europe that subscribe to the slow brew seal that, um, you know, really says, hey, you have to keep each beer in the tank for at least four weeks and up to, you know, there's virtually no limit. Yeah. Uh, and, and that helps to make it a really clean, drinkable liquid. Yeah. And you know what's interesting? I, I've been seeing this a lot, and I'm, you know, I, I'm not completely against it, but there's there I've been seeing people that uh, uh, have been brewing lagers, German lagers, and treating them like, like normal, you know, ales, like where they'll ferment it, and once it's done fermenting, they will will lower the temperature, drop the yeast, and and condition it like like any other beer. And you know, I I can't say I'm completely against it. Um, when you think about it, it, it it does make sense to a certain degree. And I'm sure that you know many people will will disagree with me. But there's a point where you know traditionally they would they would cold condition it when there was still extract left in the beer for the yeast to eat, Mm -hmm. right? And this was a cold conditioning process, and it would keep the yeast alive. 
But if you're if you're fermenting the beer to completion, then the yeast don't have anything to keep them going in the cold conditioning period, and you have you have to take the yeast out of there, or else they're going to just start to die and cause off flavors. And um, you know, I I have had some of these beers, and they haven't been bad. They ha- they've actually been been quite good. So I don't know if I'm completely against it. It's not traditional, but um, you know. Onward and upward, man. You gotta, you gotta keep uh, flowing with the times. And then your brother Luke. So Luke, your, your first. How did it happen? So Danny, <laughs> circa met Danny, and then Danny brought so, you in. Yeah. So twin uh, brothers. Jeez, Louise has the chef and brewer. Yeah. As the the funny little story goes, the the idea of the restaurant and concept, uh, brewery concept, uh, was was you know being talked about, and Danny came on board. And, uh, of course, it was going to be a brewery. And then when they were talking about what they wanted their the restaurant concept to be within the brewery, it wanted to be predominantly wood-fired pizza. And just as it happens, uh, that's one of the specialties within our family and, and myself. Uh, my, our family's been in the wood-fired pizza business for about uh, seven years. And um, it's something that I was doing in Portland, Oregon at the time. And What, he, what was the place in Portland? Gosh, my little, it was my little uh, food cart, uh, my little wood fire pizza cart, little oven pizza, uh, just a tiny little food cart. The food cart scene in uh, Portland's really huge. It's like what, you know, like chefs or people, you know, really focusing on a very specific concept, you know, test out within, you know, the city. And um, yeah, that was, that was kind of the birth, the, my birth of it that started from uh, our family's wood fire pizza business. Um, in Southern Oregon. And you guys are right in downtown Brooklyn, right? That's right. Yes. That's Damn. right. 141 Lawrence Street. It We're sounds so rustic. You're like, you've got wood-fired pizza, you got a it brewery, is. and you're in the middle of downtown. Downtown yeah. Brooklyn's like a big city. It, 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 you know, man, downtown Brooklyn, I never knew how interesting downtown Brooklyn was. Um, you know, it, it was, uh, for a long time, I feel like it just wasn't this place that people went unless you had to go to the courthouse or things like that. But there have been some developments. I mean, you have mm-hmm. DeKalb Market that's in the same neighborhood. Yeah. That got a lot of press recently. You have the Alamo Draft House, Target, Trader Joe's. I mean, this is like a legitimate you guys, downtown. If you know downtown, it's J Street Metro Tech. That's really yes. what, where you guys are. Exactly. exactly. You're probably exactly. A, a needed, you know, needed establishment. I hope area. so, man. Absolutely. I hope so. We're definitely coming out. So let's keep the Oktoberfest tour going. So what's the next beer? Right. The beer that I, I just cracked open is the Zollerhof uh, Zwickau, which is an unfiltered lager. It's, um, it's a 5.5% uh, more of an export lager. And uh, this is the style of beer filtered that would be that you would see at, uh, at, at October first today. So, huh. uh, but with the yeast still inside, this is just terrific to try. This is my own private Oktoberfest tour. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is <laughs> by Circa Brewing and so, Reinhardt's boat. Yeah. So the um, you know people ask me all the time what what does Zwickel mean and 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 Zwickel, you know, people associate an unfiltered lager with it, but the the the, the word Zwickel is actually a reference to the key that the brewmaster uses to open up the fermentation tank or the the storage tank in the in the in the cellar, and uh, tries the beer right out of there. So if you ever get into that pleasure to to see a, a brewer open up that tank and try the does beer it right also out of it, mean, like imply that it's the best batch? Because has he picked it? It's as fresh as it could be. You know, when it's just right there before it gets. Uh, pumped up to be bottled or kegged. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's no fresher beer. Right Every there. batch is the best batch. That's it. Every batch. <laughs> is it though? <laughs> and then, you know, Luke, Luke, you must have been around beer a lot. What do you think of your brother's beer? Oh, man, it's awesome. Uh, I've, I've been a fan of his beer for a long time. Um, you know, <laughs> no, it's true. I have been. Can I, I, have like, been. Can I tell you a story about when I tried <laughs> to, because, you know, when I caught the brewing bug, because I, I started as a home brewer, and I wanted to, you know, I thought that, that when I showed him, he would be as nuts about it as I was, you know? So I said, okay, let's have a brew day. And I, I, I get him and, you know, I get everything ready. And, and as your viewers probably know, or your listeners probably know, uh, there, there's a lot to it. So the setup, you know, getting everything prepared. And I mashed in 
He fell asleep. He didn't wake up until knockout. And the beer was already in the fermenter with, with the yeast going. And that's when he woke up. And that was the extent. All, all due respect to the craft beer community. I, I will drink beer to the end of my days. But making it is something I want nothing to be a part of. Was it too slow for you? It was so slow. It was too slow. I want results. When you make a pizza, how many minutes does well, it spend in the well, oven? I mean, so pizza, like when you're doing our style of pizza, it will take three days for a fermentation for your pizza dough. But to make it, takes about three to four minutes. <laughs> what temperature do you, should your oven be at? Um, we get our ovens between 850 to 900 degrees. Uh, all all wood burning, all natural. Uh, yeah, it's hot. Do you use any gas to help it along? No, it's all no wood. gas. All wood, very natural. It's all local hardwoods. Uh, right now coming from New York State and Connecticut. Great, man. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, that's a good start. We've tried a couple of beers. Yeah. We'll be back in a few minutes on our <laughs> Oktoberfest tour on Beer Sessions Radio. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Cheers. In 1996, Sheehan Family Companies, formerly L. Knife & Son, acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn. Union Beer has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. It has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Brooklyn and parts of Queens through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, Staten Island, and Long Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education at all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the seven counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit unionbeerdist.com. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's my own private Oktoberfest tour. I got the boys here. Lars Dahlhaus, Ryan Heights Boten. He's got more beers, German styles, for us than anybody. Um, the Circa Brewing crew. You got Danny Hello. and Luke, the brothers. And Woo. just walked in our good buddies from Polliner Brauhaus NYC. Marco, say hello, buddy, because you guys are doing a very cool... <laughs> Oktoberfest rollout. Hello, everybody. Yeah, good to be here. Crowd goes wild. So, Marco, you're, you're authentically you were born in Munich. Yes, that's right. And you've worked in many Polliner establishments around the world. Um, yes, I I started actually when I was 19 um, at the brewery in, in Munich. Uh, and I worked there for over 23 years. And part of my... Uh, I had had different jobs there, and part of my job was in, at the end at the export department. So I was uh, in a couple of brow houses in China, uh, Malaysia, Singapore, and so I went around everywhere there. So you're a real Paul Inner guy. I am. So what was uh, your first job when you were 19? Well, you, I, I started off, um, I wanted to become a brewer, so you do go to an apprenticeship, that's how, that's how it works in Germany, so you go to school, and then you go to um, work in a, in, a, in a company, and um, I worked in the, in the brew house, in the lagering department, unfortunately, when you uh, um, uh, mill the malt, there is some dust, and I developed an allergy of my, um, to the malt dust, so I couldn't uh, proceed my brewer's um, Apprenticeship, so I went into commercial stuff, and uh, that's the I, oldest excuse in the world. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't make it, but I can drink it. Well, Look, I, I hate lifting malt bags too, man. You just gotta <laughs> suck it up sometimes. Well, I, welcome, Marco. This well, is so cool, man. But, but also, you, you, I want to hear your story is cool. So you ended up working in, you worked in the Middle East. Tell us the countries oh. that you worked in. Which were the most receptive to German style beers? Well, um, I, I was. 
I have to go back a little bit. I worked as a, as a bean counter, really, really boring stuff. And I got sick of it. And then I said, well, I want to go into sales. And I met the guy from Pol the president from Polana USA at the Oktoberfest. I had a couple beers, so a little uh, um, courage uh, I had there. And I said, hey, I want to work in the States. And he said, no, you're bean counter. You cannot sell beer. So I said no. I was a little disappointed. Well, the next year I did the same thing, and he hired me. So I worked in the... Um, my first assignment was in the Bible Belt, Georgia, Mississippi, and Alabama. What? This was in 2000, and uh, um, was in 2000, selling beer in in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, Jackson, Mississippi, and uh, selling this Polana beer. It's, I mean, when they had they had Bud Light on tap, Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light, Amstel Light. If they had an exotic beer, it was like Heineken. Ooh, <laughs> and then I come with my beer that was cloudy and unfiltered. And they said, what's wrong with that beer? Is that gone bad? It's uh, some cloudiness in there. So this was a really good school to learn how to sell beer. And then um, I did this for three years, met my wife there. So people liked Paul Anna. And what beer are we drinking right now? This is the Oktoberfest? That is the Oktoberfest <clears throat> brewed in Manhattan. Yeah. It's uh, good. It's a Martin-style beer. Do you mind if I have a sip? Go for it. Good on, man. On we're not on camera. Welcome but, to this. And then, Luke, you know, you're in the middle. Here's our pizza maker from Circa Brewing. It's exciting, right? He walks in with a Lederhosen on. I love it. I love it. I, I've, been, I've been infatuated with Lederhosen uh, for the last three days because we just started Oktoberfest uh, at the brewing company, and we've had some, we had a polka band come in, and they have some very traditional knee garments, knee specifically, that I don't understand, but look Exciting, <laughs> <laughs> like what, Luke? Like you little know, like, ribbons like, on the knee, like little like knee bed, like they they go right below the knee. They almost look like oh. a wristband, but they fit right below the knee, and they have different colors and emblems, like a deer, and uh -huh. different colors. Like it looks like they represent something very <laughs> like like fantastic that I just. Like engages my imagination. Very ornate socks. <laughs> these are these are just a band that goes around the the calves. They're called Wadelwärmer. They they are just to warm your your calves. I can't wear them because I have chicken legs. So they um, they always slide down. You, you know, need to have some solid manly. That calves. makes sense because my calves have been really cold. And I thought, man, I could have. What were they called? Wadelwärmer. Wadelwärmer. Well, you guys, let's have the German guys tell us about the, these other cult, the culture of Oktoberfest. How did it start, and why do you have all these funny little outfits? Um. Yeah, here you go. Funny little outfits. This is the Lederhosen is uh, actually it's it's a working pant. It's like every worker in, in Bavaria um, on on the farm or so you work with them because they're indestructible. This is like the ultimate uh, the ultimate working pants. And then there is of course like the Sunday outfit which looks a little nicer that you don't use for working. But then that's for hundreds and hundreds of years it hasn't changed. So if you spend a lot of money on the Lederhosen, you can be sure that how in do you 10 clean years, the Lederhosen? It's still you don't cool looking. Right. Yeah. You don't. Spot. You wash you them off or no. with, with a horsehair brush. <laughs> when you buy them new, they look ugly. You want you want to have patina. You want to have a couple beers on them and a couple Oktoberfests. Then they look nice. And then you can just stand them up in the corner and then that's your later wasn't there. You can brush them and it's all. But why, why Oktoberfest? Can you tell us how, how it first started. You know, there's some history. There's some... Well, it's a celebration for, for the King for the wedding of uh, Ludwig. Prince Leopold and Theresia um, got married in 1810. Right. So that's when it was started, and um, that's the beer that they served. It was exactly that. I mean, all beers at that time were amber-colored. There right. was no pale beer, period, anywhere to be found. And it was just sharing that story that eventually it turned into a pale beer. Everything you drink at Oktoberfest now is a pale beer because of a lack of uh, availability at some point. Um, but you know, it was it was the the style of the beer and all over Europe at that moment. And it, well, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but in 1810, also the beer might have been uh, a lot darker than it was of uh, what we're drinking today, which is more amber to a deep orange color. Um, mm -hmm. if, if I remember right, it was uh, 1841 when Spaten and uh, a brewery in Vienna came out with the first Marzen and Vienna lager, right? Because these two guys were friends, and if, uh, around 1833, prior to that, they took a trip to the British Isles to look at the new malting facilities. 
right? Because this is around when pale malt was being right. being made. And the, the story goes, and I, you know, look look it up for yourselves. But they they went there to visit the British Isles with two hollow canes, walking sticks, and they took malt samples back with them. Sort of a, some kind of a espionage, but uh, it was in 1841 that they came out with the first Marzen and the first Vienna Lager, which are two very similar styles. And around 1870 so or something. It, what were the malts before then, Danny? Just darker, well, you know, or smokier. They, 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 they were they were darker. I mean, um, I couldn't tell you exactly, but pale malt hadn't been invented yet. You know, they hadn't they, they didn't have that technology. They didn't even have refrigeration. I mean, there was a, a suspension of brewing between March and uh, September, if I Correct. remember yeah. right. Mm-hmm. So This is also a reason why the, the, the Oktoberfest Marzen, like everybody was so highly expected because this was the last beer that was brewed in March, and that was the first beer. It was lagered longer, and they brewed it also stronger so it could withstand the summertime. And then finally, in September for Oktoberfest, oh, now we're getting the really good beer that's been lagered through and... Um, well, that actually, the, the, the original Oktoberfest was in October. That's why we call it Oktoberfest and yeah. not Septemberfest. <laughs> uh, the, 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 the reason why we're celebrating it in September in Germany is because of the weather. Because at some point they chose to move it into September because the weather was better. The original Oktoberfest mm. was until October 17th. There's a, there are a couple of stories around this, and I'm, I'm not sure if there is a little myth or so. I heard that the wedding um, in 1810... The um, Prince Ludwig was a very liked um, um, duke, and he said, you, got, you brewers, you make beer for us, and I want you to make so much that every citizen has, has a beer to drink, because beer was scarce, uh, or scarce, how do you say that? Scarce. Well, that was yeah. scarce at, the, at this time. So they made a lot of beer, and it went on for two weeks, and it went, lasted into October. That's why today ends always, this, up today, always on the last Sunday in October, is always the, la- uh, the first Sunday in October is always the last day of Oktoberfest. So maybe it lasted into October. I'm not sure if that is it wasn't, technically... It wasn't Usually the Germans are very logical, but this one isn't doing uh, it for me. It's, no. You know, it's funny, because prior to this, it's like, okay, all right, all right, I know we're going to talk about October, so I better brush up. But, it, <laughs> you know, you, you find some interesting things. It's like, at first, wasn't it about horse racing? True, also true. <laughs> right. well, there was a wedding, the horse racing came right sure. after that. But it wasn't that until, might. like, years later that they said, you know what? Forget the horses. <laughs> we don't need the horses. It was all about celebrating. It was yeah, all yeah. about. Let's hear about the, like okay. the farm fest. Marco, yeah. the horse racing at October. <laughs> <laughs> it was a. It was a horse. Horse racing was a vital part because it was about entertainment and about fun. And they said, "Let's do a horse race." But then also, they the farmers came out and they they showed off their the biggest um, bulls and their um, the animals like a trade show. You could buy um, animals and and stock over there. It was a whole um, fair around this. And another big part was actually the, how you say this, the Schützengilde, the, the guys um, who are shooting. The rifle clubs. The rifle clubs. Up to till today, the rifle club has a, and that's in conservative uh, Germany where guns are not so um, popular than in this country. Mm. But there is a rifle club. To, today, they have a, um, a shooting range at the Oktoberfest where they, the clubs meet and they do their shooting competition at the Oktoberfest, the Schützenfest yeah. They have a shooting range back then. Yeah. They're also a big part and they're still in there today. Wow. And you find every two years they have the Eudewiesen, like the old Oktoberfest where there's less commercial stuff and they show the, the really traditional things. You get the beer and the ceramic steins mm. and um, the old um, fair and the old um, rides from, from back then they show over there. This is where all the old guys go, right? <laughs> it's old, a little <laughs> quieter. You see, you hear a little less um, Hey Baby and uh, Sweet Home Alabama at those tents. Those damn <laughs> kids with their Zwickle beers. <laughs> <laughs> and then, wait, and then uh, the next style from Lars. And then, Luke, you're the pizza guy. We're talking about, you know, royalty that inspired Oktoberfest. There's our, everyone's classic pizza is margarita. Oh, you yeah. know the backstory on that? The, the, back, the backstory on that was... Queen Marguerite from Vienna, I want to say. <laughs> I could be could be wrong, but I mean, uh, you know, came came to uh, Naples and uh, had a very simple, you know, combination of ingredients, uh, poor man's ingredients, fresh things like the easiest local cheese, mozzarella, basil, tomatoes, um, fresh leavened, uh, you know, uh, pizza dough, bread, and uh, 
and the most famous pizza in the world is named after uh, royalty. Margarita. Uh, named Margarita, you know, like people don't uh, assume that, you know, like the most famous pizza was named after a person and it's it's a name. I love it. I think every pizza should and that, be named so after. So Circle Brewing, you guys, your, your specialty is this Neapolitan style yes. wood-fired pizza. Yeah, that's our specialty. So it's Neap- I'm going to soon. You, I'm going to come. you got to come down. you got to come down. Downtown Brooklyn. We'll, throw, we'll just throw today. pizza at you. Um, yeah, wood-fired pizza, ne- Neapolitan style, and then we take a lot of just really fun, uh, creative riffs on that as far as our uh, choices of ingredients and style and, and pizzas that we put out, you know. That's great, man. But you know, and you then know, the, wait, sorry, Lars. Next style of beer. How many so, different beers did you bring? Like ten. Um, this is only touching the surface of yeah. traditional <laughs> German styles. How many hours do we have? Oh, and then, and we're also going to talk to Marco about the Doppelbach later, but that's the next beer. Well, we're actually uh, now trying the Distelhäuser Pilsner, as I know that you guys brought a Pilsner as well. Yeah. So I want, wanted to go that route real quick. Um, so uh, I think that Dieselhäuser Pils. Uh, let's let's do the history then. So we were talking a little bit about about the evolution of, of pale malts. You yeah. know what's the evolution of Pilsner in Germany? And the Polliner. You all have a story here. Polliner, uh, Danny. Well, you know uh, Pilsner boy. Uh, what was it? It was um, oh, the uh, what was it 1846. The, the guy, the uh, uh, no, no, it was Marco. Uh, it, um, well, I, 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 I'm not so good with Pilsner the Quell people. I don't know. I'm not so good with the year numbers. Yeah, but um, I can uh, the, the, on a broader scale. I think a Pilsner style models comes from Pilsen in the Czech Republic, the the, the, the town right. of Pilsen, and these were the ones that first made the, the a light a lighter color beer. I don't want to say light because it's not a light beer, but it's like you call them pale, like it's not dark. And um, they developed this, that also is a top, uh, bottom fermented style beers, which was also new. This was with refrigeration. And until then, beers were always dark. And that also had to do with what you said, I think, the malting, because you mm-hmm. roasted over wood fire. So all the beers, of course, had some kind of smoky taste to them, and they were dark. You could not control the, the malting um, process much. But when the malt, malting so they got England better. being the capital of technology at the time, yeah. was able to develop yeah. instruments and, and, and ways to control Right. And, you like know, there, there was a gentleman named Joseph Grolsch, I believe his name was. And it was around 1842, if I remember right. Uh, fact check. Uh, but <laughs> he, um, he was helping a, a neighboring brewery uh, to develop their beer because they were having problems. And he brought in this new uh, pale malt at the time and that's where it was in the Czech Republic. So he used Czech hops mm-hmm. and that's where he brewed the first Pilsner, and um, that, if I remember right, that's that's the story, and um, you know, it, it went from there. Obviously, you have German Pilsners, mm-hmm. Bohemian Pilsners, and um, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, honestly, in in my opinion, it's it's the height of a brewer's craft because you know, it's a very delicate beer. You don't have anything to hide behind, so any flaws in the beer, you're going to be able to pick them out. Because it's not like an IPA or a stout or something that has a lot of flavor. Well, it has a lot of flavor, but not a lot of aggressive flavor like hops, right? If you have an IPA, you can hide a flaw a lot easier because you have so much hop aroma just just uh, uh, masking anything that could be wrong. I'm not saying you can, you know, be a sloppy brewer and make a great IPA, but what I am saying is you can't be... Uh, a sloppy brewer <laughs> and make a good pilsner. One thing, Lars, about the beers you brought us tonight, um, they all have like the malt flavors, toasted bread flavors, right. the not a lot of pronounced hops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is actually, uh, I want you to try this. Now that you tried a more commercial pilsner, which is fantastic, of course, uh, it's the Dislaw is consistently ranked within the top five pilsners in Germany. But I want you to try this uh, Riedenberger organic pilsner, which is um, 100% organic, even organic water source, because they proved that no chemicals could have penetrated through the deep wells ever. Mm. And uh, they control the whole um, uh, flow of uh, raw materials in there. So if you try this beer, this is what a pilsner would have tasted like 100 That's years great. ago. Lars, you're going to pour that out and I'll say, we're continuing my own private Oktoberfest tour. Number one, I'm, I'm tasting so many great traditional styles of Germany and we're talking about the history of some of the beers on Beer Sessions Radio. We'll be back in a few minutes. All right. Woo! Woo! All right. 
Like what you hear? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. With fresh programming every week, we've got something for everyone. Trying to start your own food business? Concerned about where your food comes from? Looking for the best wine or beer to bring to a party? Find our shows on iTunes or Stitcher, or head to heritageradionetwork.org to listen live and subscribe to our newsletter. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Do not forget, you can become a member, heritageradionetwork.org. There's a lot of great members. I'm a member. I'm going to go to a tasting soon, and I think on October 26th, there's a Heritage Radio Network-sponsored uh, cider tasting with expert Dan Pucci. So check it out, heritageradionetwork.org. So this is the full house of my Oktoberfest tour. Uh, some, some real good German experts. I love German beer. I always have. I love the different styles. And uh, Lars, tell us about this again. Organic so, pills. So, yeah, exactly. This, this is the Riedenburg Organic Pilsner. And, uh, you know, organic in the, in the beer world is, is a little hard to, uh, to convey because really everything that goes into a beer is pretty natural, pretty organic, if you will. But, you know, it's still fantastic to, to, to taste a beer like that, to see this is what a Pilsner would have tasted like 100 years ago, at least. Because the raw ingredients come from fields that... Marco um, wants some. Yeah. <laughs> He's <laughs> waving his cup, you know, fields that, that have never been, excluded. never been treated with pesticides. And, um, it's, but there's a, there's a little breadiness. There's a whole lot of maltiness. There's um, the graininess is what I always... It, it tastes like fresh grass. Um, but it's, and it's, it's a little bit hoppy, but not over hoppied. Um, many of the American pilsners are very... Hoppy to what a pilsner should taste like in the German sense. Yeah. So Marco, okay, so this is you're like our German expert, and you know so much, man. Since 19, you've been working at at Polliner. Um For me, I love different styles of German beers. You guys, actually, your 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 Oktoberfest made in New York City was really good. I really oh, I really you. like it. You know, amber color. Um, how do you guys represent yourselves? Because you're a, an international company. But in New York, you have a very small brew pub, and you're making all fresh batches of beer here. You know, how, how, how do you guys explain that? What's your story for that? Well, this is really a difficult um, uh, thing uh, to do because there's a big brewery behind us, and people think, oh, is this a chain? Is this like part of a big uh, um, company or, or something? But we are actually privately owned. We are owned by a uh, private individual that lives in Germany. He comes over uh, every, every other month, visits us, and looks on my fingers what I'm doing over there. Uh, but we are licensed. What kind of car does he drive? <laughs> how do you bring up that subject? That's how Americans ask questions. Let's get down to brass tacks, Marco. Because he is, he happened, is he BMW? Mercedes? He happened to be a car fanatic. I have not seen his car, but when he introduced himself to my staff, he said, well, he has a couple cars, and they use a lot of gasoline. And then one of my dishwashers said, what car do you have? And, and he said, well, I have a Bentley, and I have a Mercedes that has... Um, doors like wings, so it's it's one of those. Well, he's a more Mercedes guy, but that's okay. But, uh, but yeah. you guys, so you have anyway. different brew pubs around the, around the world. So no, we are so we're privately owned, but we are licensee. So we're paying Polana license fee in order for them to give us the recipes, and they train our brewmaster. They our brewmaster goes over there for training, and the brewmaster shows up in our place twice a year. One time he's announced so for training, and the second time he just shows up and uh, checks if our beers are brewed to um, the Polaner standards. Yeah. But it's still cool. So you, you worked in, and like, China, Singapore. So the, the majority, there's a lot of those brew pubs in, in Asia. Um, I um, The first one was in Beijing. There was a huge success. Then the, um, uh, one opened in, in Shanghai. And now I think there are 28 all over China alone. Then there's a brew house in... in uh, but I'm, I'm a fan of this. So the idea is that uh, you're going into local places and you're making small batches of beer. Yeah, they each brew, they each brew um, a beer over there, and they, the concept is basically you have um, always a German equipment there. It's, uh, we have a couple of companies who work um, together. They built the, the equipment over there. There's a, a brewmaster, um, in, in particularly in China, that worked at the Polana Brewery. Ingredients is another difficult thing. In China, it's more difficult to get the malt and the hops um, over there. So I know they're using some uh, Chinese hop, uh, Chinese malt, Bavarian hops, but malt they have to um, source locally. There's 
it's also a highly restricted market. But um, but New York City is better. Oh, much better here. So do, do you think for the for the brew pubs in your in your group this that your beer you're making is best here? I have to tell you, every time the brewmaster was here, and I'm not kidding, he was always absolutely stunned with the quality of beer that we are we are doing here. And this has, of course, to do with all the ingredients, the, the skill of the brewmaster. But another big factor, I think, is New York has a really very good water mm-hmm. to um, yep. to make, and that plays a, a role. Um, they had tested this water before in, 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 at the lab in, in Munich, and they um, it, it is ideal for brewing. It's very soft, it's low on minerals, has a, a perfect pH content. And that's and, and I wanted to ask you this: Is this right that the pizza, the um, the, the dough rises better? Yes, Marco. Uh, a- absolutely. Um, that as well translates to pizza making. So it, I would say that it translates as far as to like the quality of texture you get in every pizza. There's a there's a softness and almost a chewiness that's unmistakable that you couldn't achieve with the same the same grain in another part of the world. It's it's totally unique to the area. And it's Luke really and Danny, you guys are both from Alaska. So the question is, for beer and pizza, can you make that the same product in Alaska that you can oh. in New York City? Um, a little water I mean, manipulation in chemistry, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will always yeah. say the best beer and pizza makers only come from Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> they want New York City water. <laughs> and then, Danny, for you, so water here in New York City. Yeah, well, you know, the wa- like, like, like Marco said, you at six like point. Marco said, it's very soft water. And uh, the, the benefit for that for brewers is that you're really kind of starting with a blank slate. If you want to make a German-style Pilsner, great. You have soft water. It's there. Uh, you might need to adjust for some chlorine that might be in the water because this is city water. But otherwise, if you want to brew other styles, you can adjust accordingly. You never have to remove minerals, which is the hard part. Right. Whenever you have to remove water hardness, that's where it gets tricky. But if you're starting with a clean slate, you can build on that. And it's a lot easier for a brewer to to do many styles from that point of view. What, what are some of the of the the international beer styles that that are based on water? Like you well, mentioned, the, lots of them. So you know, uh, uh, pilsners, for instance, are are based off of very very soft water profile like in the Czech Republic there it's almost when you look at a water profile it's almost void of minerals but uh, if, if you go uh, into Ireland they have a very hard water profile which makes sense because they brew a lot of stouts which uh, stouts use a lot of roasted grain that have a, a very acidic quality to it so it balances out you have a very balanced uh, uh, beer and it, it comes down to the pH in the mash right because that's what you're talking about you're talking about what pH you have and when you hit the right pH you're going to get a very smooth character so in Ireland they made stouts in, in London with a very hard uh, water profile they brewed great porters um, uh, uh, Burton on Trent right IPAs man High sulfate like water. Bass, we knew it as Right, bass. right. Waters that are high in sulfate, and this accentuates hop bitterness. It gives you a very clean bitterness. It gives you a drying finish on the palate. And, you know, this is just an example of how how water profiles have, have determined what brewers make. You know what I mean? So when I'm out drinking, I can just say if I'm drinking beer, I don't need to drink water. Exactly. <laughs> Water is just well, beer in a very early production stage. Yeah, it's <laughs> very better. Important. Not only that, but let's let's touch on something else where sometimes Marco, the water... Marco, good man, he likes this. Sometimes the <laughs> he water... He likes beer. The water will make you sick. The beer is what you should be drinking. And this is going back a ways, right? And this is, this is what's cool about the whole pizza and beer thing, because these are two... Uh, 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 items that go back so after to I do my CrossFit and you know <laughs> half marathon. I need to restore my electrolytes with a good beer. Right? J- Jimmy, I'm getting deep here, man. I know. I'm like this one, here. Lars. What's the next? Lars just keeps pumping them out. Yeah. What's the next this beer is style? The Himburg's uh, Bavarian. This is the dry hopped Helles Lager. Uh, seven different hop varieties go in there. <laughs> Actually, let, let me read them to you. This is um, Citra, Simcoe, Perle, Hallertau. Mittelfrü, uh, Hersbrucker, and Smaragd. And then so, how, how are you finding... You have so many great breweries uh, coming out of Germany. How are you finding them? Are you spending a lot of time in Germany? 
Actually, are they contacting actually, you now? As part of the Reinheitsboten, the five breweries that I'm working with, uh, Riedenburger, Distelhäuser, Zollerhof, Himburgs, and uh, Friedenfelser, is the group that I've set. So we, we're currently not adding any breweries. That's, you know, we, we're promoting them as the Reinheitsboten, which is the, uh, the bringers of pure beer, or we adhere to the Reinheitsgebot of... Uh, 1560 in the, the Bavarian Danny, let's taste your uh, you know? the Circa Pils next. And uh, which probably your Circa Pils is 100% according to that Reinhardtske board. <laughs> yeah, it is. But then before yeah. that, last thing. So what I wanted to get to, time short, when I think of Polliner, and I, and I think of, for me, Fall, I think of Doppelbox. Mm. And uh, uh, give us a little backstory well, on some of the, the classic Doppelbox coming out of Munich. So I I assume you're talking about the Salvator. That is the thank you. The, 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 the benchmark of double bock beers, and this is how the Polana Brewery was was founded, was started. Um, the history goes. The first can I can I tell the history a little bit about it? The first yes, written document of the Polana Brewery was in 1634. Was a lawsuit where the commercial breweries in Munich filed a lawsuit against this little monastery that started to selling their beer to the public. They said, stop doing that. This is a monastery. Don't take away our business. But these monks, it was Brother Barnabas that made this this beer. He called it the savior in Latin, salvare, because these monks were so <laughs> hardcore. Oh, here goes the little beer on the floor. Um, pouring the fall pills. <laughs> so these monks were fasting for 40 days, not eating. Hardcore religion. Um, they came from Italy over and settled in Munich. And they, drinking was not a violation. So this brother Barnabas came up and said, well, we're brewing beer anyway. Let's make a beer that gives us our nutrition back. So he used a little more, not a little more, he used a lot of more um, grain and barley and um, let it uh, ferment longer. And he came up with this wonderful beer, which he called Salvator, the liquid bread, the savior. And this beer is, is a true, um, this is well the founding beer of the Polana Brewery well, that, that was based, founded on this. And um, cheers. We've had so many of those. Salvatore, Celebrator, and great. All these, great all style these of beers. came um, with the Ata that have an Ata. They are, well, this is a compliment, I think, to Poland. Don't want to sound too arrogant, but um, Salvatore was the first one. And then the other breweries followed with the Triumphator, the Optimator, the. Uh, all the, eight of beers. The, um, yeah. the, the Donator, the, Donator. the Tullerhof Brewery makes. So, but yeah. the first one was by our brewery, well, by, by Paul. My Adam. toast is, my fall beer is <laughs> Doppelbox. So oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll drink it. But now we're drinking this pill. So quickly, Danny, yeah. this is a nice pill. And Lars was toasting yeah, for it. Very nice. It has like this almost grains of spice flavor and... Yeah, it you know it's it's, it's grains of life. (laughs) (laughs) It's not grains of paradise, that's for sure. It's a it's a classic recipe. You know, it's it's a blend of Pilsner malts and uh, uh, German noble hops. And you know, uh, the challenge is to just to make a nice, clean, round maltiness uh, uh, German Pilsner. Lars, yes. you, you got excited. I know you're, you oh, made yeah. a toast. Tell oh. us what, how you taste this beer. I'm, I'm, I'm happy. It's actually very similar, very close to the Riedenburger Pilsner yeah. um, because it's, it has all that graininess, but it's also not uh, terribly overhopped. Yeah. It has a great nose. It has a lot of aroma hops, and, uh, but drinks very clean and very mm-hmm. malty. Yeah. There's nice. nothing like it. a good Pilsner, man. Can you can I drink it all day long. Oh, wait, and then, Danny, 100%. you're set up, so... You guys just opened at Circa. Yeah. How do you feel about your brewing setup? You're getting comfortable with the equipment? Yeah, you know, the, brew, the brewing setup, uh, I, I love it. I think it's awesome. The, you know, the only problem is people are drinking it too quickly. Uh, I'm a lazy person by nature, and I, uh, I don't want to work very hard, but they're forcing me to work very hard. And, um, you know, I'm just trying to keep up. You know, some work. of the old Greek diners used to, you'd save the, the slop sink and you'd recycle that beer that went down there. <laughs> no. Can, they do that. Can, there's the secrets of the restaurant trade, but we don't talk about that. And then, and then Luke, pizza at Circle well, Brewing. I, I, I just want to comment about the brewing aspect oh, from Jesus. an outsider's perspective in go. a restaurant setting is that when you go into that rest, brewery restaurant, you go down to drink and eat, and you see the brewer doing his thing, climbing on ladders, spraying down Taking tanks, a nap. Like, <laughs> like doing active things in a brewery with a full bar and a full restaurant literally right behind him <laughs> is, is 
partly very theatrical uh, and and just a fun, unique, Downtown amazing Brooklyn, experience. Downtown Brooklyn, J Street, Metro Tech stuff. Yeah. Circle Brooklyn. Marco, you got excited about this beer. What did you want to say? Well, I, I'm very excited about this beer because um, the, most of the craft breweries that I had here so far, they, they are, in, in my opinion, always overly hopped and then too crazy with all the flavors that's going on. This is a super clean taste. And I compare this when I do the brewery tours in our um, brewery. I always say um, the brewmasters are here very much they have a full beard, tattoos everywhere, and there are no a lot of hops and all this. The more hop, the, the better, and, and all this thing. And I, I compare it like an artist, like Picasso draw paintings with the eye was over here and, and, and the nose over there. And it's crazy. And you think, oh, I can do this and do crazy shit. Mm -hmm. But, sorry, but the, um, if you can, Picasso was also able to draw a perfectly cat that looked, didn't look like a cow. If you can do the basic, like a clean beer like this, and you go crazy afterwards, I have the highest respect for okay. you. Cheers to Danny Brookett, man. I, I love your beers for Six Point, and I'm really proud of you. I'm looking forward to having Thanks, more man. of your circle beers. Cheers, guys. And uh, Lars, anything else? Style. So you didn't bring a Doppelbach for me? I didn't bring a Doppelbach today. That's shocking. Uh, I, I brought in uh, a dry hopped, a dry hopped uh, amber lager. I brought a Hefeweizen that we didn't crack open. I brought the Regale Privat, which is closest to an Oktoberfest as well. I think you're coming back next week. We're going to do more German styles next week. We'll with do Sylvester I'll bring the Doppelbach. Zum Schneider. <laughs> I feel like we haven't even touched the surface of different styles sure. of German beers. And big shout outs. And Marco, I'm going to see you on Saturday. Yes, so you've I'm got very what, You've excited. got your weekly mayor. I'm not really the mayor if I'm only the weekly mayor. No, you but are the mayor. I'm tapping a cast with you Saturday. Yes, you are. At the brewery. At, at the brewery. We're going to have a lot of fun. And uh, Di Blasio just sends his uh, sent us a letter that he couldn't make it. So you're nice. the next best thing so we can get. So it's the same style, <laughs> this nice kind of cloudy... Amber Oktoberfest beer. Exactly. This comes from the tank. Um, it's the same. So, beer. guys, meet me there. If you're in New York City on s this coming Saturday, uh, meet me at Paulina Brahaus on the Bowery. I will be tapping a cast 5 p.m. And I'll be drinking it, too. And we'll be Hopefully, I get some pretzels and uh, vice versa. Uh, we have the best know. ones. And uh, Justin's going up to Boston this weekend, Copenhagen Beer Celebration. It's like McKellar in Copenhagen. Come to Boston, which is a crazy idea. September 22nd and 23rd, if you're up in Boston. So in closing, I'd like to thank our sponsors at Union Beer Distributors who have helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. And again, thanks, everybody. Lars, Marco, Danny, and Luke for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. Big shout out to our Thank producer, you, Justin Kennedy. Without you, there'd be no guests and no show. And engineer, uh, David Tattashore. So we'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo! Right. Thank you. Thank you, David. Prost! <laughs>